Welcome to this brand new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. This podcast is hosted by Mark van Horek and myself, Elias Krum, and brought to you by Marketing Guys, the MarTech agency based out of the Netherlands. Welcome to this new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast, um, the first in 2024, on which we're today going to talk to Reggie, Reggie James, out of the UK, and he's the founder and Managing Director of Digital Clarity. Reggie, please introduce yourself. Nice, thank you very much for that. I am delighted to be here. So as you say, I am Reggie James of Digital Clarity. I have been in this business for quite some time. Um, I started life off as a um, marketing and advertising consultant for magazines and publishers very quickly moved into the tech marketing space with the launch of the dot-com boom that happened. So working across companies like Alta Vista, which mm-hmm. is a major search engine, which remember is that. far too young to remember <laughs> that, surely. And um, yeah, so from that, we developed business models, which are quite commonplace today. Uh, today, Alta Vista is owned by Yahoo, mm-hmm. uh, which is part of Verizon's network. And... I then launched, having worked with quite a number of agencies, realized that they weren't very up to speed with what customers needed in terms of advertising online. And this was the days before Google. And then we put that sort of put together an agency that very quickly became one of the fast growing, what was Google AdWords then and now today Google Ads and created a technology off the back of it called DC Storm digital clarity storm and that allowed predominantly agencies to manage multiple campaigns across google's network we had an api that would actually feed into the back end of google and other uh, search engines at the time things like miva go to all of those at the time and we would uh, which became overture and We manage multiple campaigns in the consumer marketplace for marketing agencies and media buying agencies. As the market developed, we built our agency business and in 2019 realized that really the marketplace was quite commoditized and we wanted to create something that was specifically for a marketplace and this was the b2b marketplace we had worked very successfully with quite a number of large b2b clients like workfront adobe and Mm -hmm. xerox and various others and from that we developed a consultancy program uh, where we realized that the industry was not serving the b2b tech SaaS software space very well and we thought we could plug that gap with our extensive 20 plus years of knowledge in the industry and we have now today created a framework that actually helps tech leaders really establish a very strong market marketing strategy to help them achieve their goals whatever that is Ooh, and I that's where we are today want to know more about that so i love the way you're ex- explaining the experience you have and you're showing the experience. So starting with Alta Vista, I, I still remember that. I think that was like the end of the 90s, right? When they were yes, big. Yes, um, yes. And they Shame were huge. 
you didn't even well Google, Google hardly existed, um, and you couldn't. Well, I, I, back in those days, I you couldn't imagine searching on another search engine at Alta Vista, but that's a long mm -hmm. time ago. Um, and now, and now you're uh, you've developed a framework for for B two B. So, given all that experience, what's what's the main changes you are seeing now in the b2b marketing or b2, specifically the tech marketing landscape what is what are some of the biggest things you're seeing uh as a as an industry expert at the moment again a great question there have been quite a number of changes uh, a lot of them that have been driven by the pandemic so in 2020 when we had the kind of complete lockdown in, in most of the world, we saw that buying was still taking place. The world still turned uh, in a variety of different ways. But the main reality was in the tech space and in the B2B space, the way buyers engaged with potential purchases, especially in the software and the SaaS space, had completely changed. There was no longer... So if you look at historically an outreach, people doing lead generation, they would email someone, follow up with a phone call, they or they would do a Google ad, or they would mm. do ads on LinkedIn or create content. What we realized and what we looked at, some of the data analytics that we were looking at, I mean, bearing in mind, we'd created a technology that, that uh, interrogated a lot of data. We could see that it was no longer the sales reps per se that were actually doing the business. It was actually the buyers that were in control. And it was the buyers that were creating in larger organization what they would call buying committees, as mm -hmm. we know them today, which is where you would have the user of the product, a software product, you would have. So inside organizations, what was happening, they would see that they had a challenge. They would set up a group or a steering committee that would actually look to deal with that problem. That would invariably be a CMO, a CTO, a technology officer, or a marketing officer, or somebody within that function, the user who actually affected had the problem with that. And then you would have a number of different people who would use it within the organization. Those people would then go out and source one or two of that particular group, the solution. So it would no longer be somebody outreaching to that company they would be contacting that company sometimes totally you know the, the sales co company was totally unaware of this company even looking for them and in many cases they may have been bombarding that person with with emails and various other phone calls but it was the buyer that was in control and the buying journey has become very very complex back in 2017 there may have been nine people involved in a deal Mm -hmm. At the most extreme end, now it can be anywhere between 12 to 18, depending on the size of the organization. And that's just the number of people, not that you That's not just the <laughs> number of people. That's so not touch points. That's not touch points. Then touch points as well have increased quite yeah. rapidly. And those touch points are very interesting because the sources that people go to historically, things like blogs, things like um you know, reading articles online and various other things, though they are still important, they are part of the journey. The big areas that we see technology companies looking at are 
very, very much into things like peer groups, closed networks, podcasts, mm-hmm. um, events. So they, they will have they'll have meetup groups at events. You'll have also committees that will meet up where you'll have a group of CMOs or a group of technology officers who will share and swap stories on private networks where they talk about all of these different challenges that they have and what companies are are looking at those solutions. Of course, there's the people will evaluate white papers as part of the mix, but there's so many different things that will actually do it, especially at the top of the funnel in that discovery phase. But what we're finding is all the way down, right to the touch points in, to, in terms of the execution that used to traditionally be um, something like a pay-per-click campaign, somebody click on an ad having done all their research. Most of the companies now, a lot of the companies that we talked to, have already made the mind up in terms and shortlisted the companies they're going to use. So, yeah. So, so um, what you're describing is something I think that I've read about a couple of times in in some Forrester researchers as well, and um, the 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 ever um, more complex buyer journey in B two B combined with that discovery phase that is almost like self-serving uh, for, for customers. So they want to find their own way. They don't even want to talk to salespeople before they're, they're making up their minds. So for they're entering a consideration phase, they don't even want to talk to people. Um, given the fact that a lot of those touch points that you mentioned are not within your own control anymore. They used to be your emails or your website or maybe... Um, some kind of of marketing collateral that you send out that's all within your control but some stuff that you mentioned like podcast or um, closed groups or whatsoever are not within your control cannot all be measured by yourself so how do you recommend b2b marketers in tech to cope with that okay so excuse me you're absolutely right some of the things if you are continually um a lot of things are in your control. It's just how you control them. That's the key point. So once you have created a game plan and actually understand where your customers are, you can actually educate and create create rich content to those particular customers. That's within your control. Mm-hmm. How you measure that is becoming more and more complex. So it's very hard to understand if somebody has listened to a podcast and that podcast, especially now that podcasts are becoming far more influential in terms of actually making people understand who the thought leaders are, who the people they should speak to, as opposed to just pure play advertising, which um, which is a big, big change that's happened. This whole kind of arena, which is, you know, it comes under the umbrella of dark social mm-hmm. um, is really where most of the business is done. So the areas you can control is creating rich content, creating engaging content, not bombarding people with sales messages. So hypothetically, if you create a very interesting playbook that somebody downloads, if you create a piece of free content, ungated content, that is informative, engaging, or ca- you have a case study. If somebody fills in a form 
to download that. The reason they are doing that is because they are interested in reading about the problem that you solved or the opportunity that you created by your solution. What they're not necessarily interested in is buying something there and then. And what normally happens is when a potential customer downloads a white paper or listens or engages with some piece of content that you've created, one of the worst things you can do is bombard them with emails. Hey, I saw you, you downloaded this. Can we, here's my Calendly link. Can we set up a time to have a call? They're not interested. LinkedIn did a great bit of research over the last couple of years with the B2B Institute mm-hmm. where they talked about the 95-5 rule. This is a very, I talk about this rule all the time. That is 95% of people engaging with you are not ready to buy. Only 5% are. Only 5% of people at any time in the market are actually buying. So if someone is engaging with your content, really what you want to be doing is nurturing that engagement and creating more and more value in terms of what you create, almost sharing a lot of the um, the challenges that, that your potential customers face and how you have dealt with those challenges and how you can help them with those challenges, but not selling them, actually giving people value in terms of what your solution can actually provide for them. They themselves will then put you in a pot and then do it. So it's a bit of reverse psychology, slightly counterintuitive. But one of the things that we do in our program is to actually help people not only identify who their customers are and where they live and where they where they garner information, but also all the various touch points that they will use to get to your journey. So that's one of the the areas in answer to your question is how you can control it. So everything is in your control. And it was always the buyer that was always going to, to, to do it. So our mantra, if you like, is it's no longer B2C or B2B, it's human to human. Mm-hmm. So you need to be creating content that actually talks to the individual that you're aiming that content to. And if you if that's a start point, then things will start changing. It's not going to happen overnight. No one has a six pack uh, after a week in the gym. It will take time, takes work, takes effort, takes a lot of strategy. And within that strategy, there has to be a number of plans. And that's that's how companies can actually turn around and reverse engineer the way that people are buying now. Make well, them want to use you as opposed to you trying to knock on their door and sell to them. Love it. Love it. So time flies. We um, we have a couple of minutes left. So there is a topic I do want to talk a little bit more to you, mm-hmm. with you about. Since what you're describing and uh, given your experience, you, you can elaborate on this, the, the, the market and all the developments within marketing, MarTech, sales, sales technology, the, the market is changing so rapidly. The buyer is changing. The buyer journey is changing. There are new tools, like there is over 12,000 tools in MarTech now. And um, so given that rapid change, uh, there is also what I'm seeing a, a very shortening uh, yeah, I think shortening focus uh, for strategy. Um, how important is a 
long-term strategy still in B2B tech marketing? I think that is a very, very core question. I think strategy is absolutely defines everything that you will do. Without a strategy, you are going in all different directions. Most companies go platform first rather than strategy first. So they will say, oh, our competition, they will mimic what the competition is doing mm-hmm. and say, oh, they're doing a LinkedIn campaign. I need to do a LinkedIn campaign. They're doing a podcast. I need to do a podcast. But all they're doing is creating noise. They really haven't defined who they are. What a good strategy will do is help you understand who you are, who your customers are, what you actually do, what solution you provide, and the value you provide for that company. And though these may sound like very simple questions, they're very difficult questions to ask mm-hmm. and to answer. And really, only 20% of companies have actually got stuck into I mean, it's a Pareto principle all the time, but it's 95-5, 80-20. It's always a Pareto principle. The companies that are successful, that are super successful, have devised, they've def- actually defined who they are first, defined who their customers are first. And they've done that through a very, very strong strategic approach. Mm-hmm. And strategy, you know, you can have, uh, there's a whole variety of different types of strategy that are available to people. But really the strategy that's that's going to be right for you, there are fundamental principles of marketing strategy but the way we look at that is that strategy has to be holistic it's joined up marketing has to align with sales sales has to align with product uh, product has to align with the people and um, you know human capital personnel mm-hmm. and it's a sum of moving parts so nothing is siloed nothing sits in isolation anymore everything is connected the person that sits in reception is is representing your brand. And without a strategy, people always, can, they can never answer fundamental questions. How do we name and present our products and service? What should our website look like? What sales collateral should we use? What internal guiding culture and principles should we follow? What tone should we adapt? And so many different things. You know, everything from what we call ourselves, what our people do, and how we actually close sales. So strategy is the core of every business. You show me a successful company, and I will show you a successful strategy that's aligned to how they got there. So true. That's, yeah. that's, that's uh, hopefully that answers your <clears throat> Yeah, it does. It lies. does. And the, the other thing, and with that, I think we, we, we will conclude this interview because we're, we're oh, well, 20 minutes are almost gone here. It's, My goodness, well, that's yeah, very quick. You yeah, will have it is to do quick. another one. We, we will. We will. We'll schedule a new one. But the other thing that I still, uh, and I, I, I very much like the way you're explaining this. I, I say this to people all the time. It's strategy first, technology second. But a strategy will also prevent you from being distracted and chase every new shiny object. Because that's that's the whole thing. So successful businesses have a long-term vision, a strategy, and they're following a plan. They're not following a, a daily new 
shiny object, right? So, um, 100%, 100%. Yeah. I, I've had companies who've shown me saying, this is our strategy or this is our plan. You know, firstly, a plan is not a strategy. There are plans within the strategy. And secondly, if we, if one does do what you were saying there, um, they are just to-do lists every day. You know, they're, they're coming up, chopping and changing, going with the next, as you say, very spot on uh, what you just said there, chasing the next shiny object. Oh, AI, let's put AI after a name. Oh, my yeah. goodness. NFTs, Web3, <laughs> that's it. Do you remember them? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, so all of these things and people are suddenly doing 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 that. So yes, stick to your strategy, get a strategy in place, you know, get seasoned professionals to help you put that in place and get get moving. Yeah, and also the last tip that I have there for marketers that don't know where to start, you know, we all I would say we all went to school sometime. Some people have done MBAs, others have done business schools. During those those years you have learned about those marketing models and frameworks you know even the 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 ones that are uh were invented back in the 70s or the 80s are still very much useful to the develop a, a strategy so i'm very much in favor of going back to basics develop that plan keep stick to the plan and then of course you can use some new tooling if that's necessary or if that helps you in executing that strategy but the strategy first is is very important so with that reggie reggie james thank you very much for joining the marketing technology podcast i'm going to share a link to your linkedin profile as well as a link to digital clarity's website for those people that want to know more uh, about you about the company about how to develop a strategy in, in b2b marketing specifically in B2B tech marketing. Um, And again, uh, thank you very much, Reggie, and a happy 2024. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. A happy 2024 to you. Here's to some great success for all of us. And thank you very much for the opportunity. I look forward to doing this again with you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform or iTunes. Also, if you want to be a guest or know someone that should be a guest to our show, shoot me an email on e.crum at marketingguys.nl. Thank you for listening.